On today's episode of Unexpected Hauntings, we hear a bone-chilling story about a psychiatric hospital and their experiences there. We also dive into a story about a childhood friend that tends to be haunting them. And lastly, we go into a story about a pale face found in the dark. More coming up for you on today's episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Stay spooky, listeners. Listen if you dare, as we unfold stories of unexplained happenings and phenomena. Write in at unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. This is where the unexpected and ghost stories are brought into reality. This is Unexpected Haunting. That's right, everyone. Welcome back into Unexpected Hauntings. Halloween is just right around the corner, my friends, and it is very interesting. You can feel it in the air. You can feel it in the shops. Grabbing all the candy corn in one hand and a pumpkin in the other, it is very, very close to September, which means... Spooky season is almost here. I hope that everyone is doing well. We are going to be actually back at full force right now with episodes. We're going to try and do episodes every week. We got a lot lined up for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. We also are going to be having some special guests on here as well. And potentially a co-host as well to Unexpected Hauntings. So I'm really, really excited about that. That's going to be really incredible and a lot of fun. And again, guys, if you'd like to write in, share your ghost story experience, please, please do. We'd like to hear from you. UnexpectedHauntings739 at gmail.com. You can send in an audio file there or you can just write in. And we would love to hear your stories. It would be incredible and would be amazing um, to hear that. Um, And also, you know, with all of this coming up, you might also even hear this in the crisp air as well, my friends. That's right. Halloween is right around the corner. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be the best Halloween yet. And... COVID is pretty much out of the way, so I feel like there will be more trick-or-treaters coming out. It's going to be incredible, and I'm ready. I am really ready for Halloween. It's going to be incredible, and um, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, So, what is everyone's plans for Halloween? I know a lot of people make plans already for Halloween. Um... But uh, I I can't wait. I've already grabbed my bag of candy corn. I know a lot of people, you know, have their own opinions about that. Um, But um, if you do eat candy corn, my candy corn people out there, what kind of candy corn do you eat? Do you have the mixed kind or just the plain original candy corn? Um, Of course, don't eat it all year round, but have to grab it when it comes out. That 
the uh, the pumpkin spice, all the pumpkin spice that you can drink. Um, it's just a great experience, and it's just too damn hot. Let's face it, guys. It's too fucking hot to go outside um, in this weather, and um, I'm pretty sure everyone would appreciate the weather to get a little bit cooler um, with these crazy-ass temperatures. Mm. It's, uh, it's a very crazy time and um, ready for it to finally cool down uh, for sure. Um, anyways, guys, I missed you guys so, so much. I know that I said that we were going to do more episodes, um, but, you know, life just happened and, um, finally able to come back and do the ghost story things. So again, if you'd like to write in, we'd love to hear from you. Unexpected hauntings, seven, three, nine at gmail.com. You could send us in a media file, uh, or just write in the story on the email and we will definitely read that, um, on the air. It would be incredible. I know that we're also um, talked about going live on Twitch. That's not going to be a thing anymore. We're just going to be airing our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you hear these episodes from. We're pretty much uh, pretty much global. We're pretty much everywhere. Um, so, guys, if you'd like to uh, listen to us and you don't have Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify. Um, if you don't have Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts. If you don't have either one of those, I believe that we are on Stitcher as well. Um, and of course, if you have Anchor and you want to listen to us through there, you can as well. Um, there's just a whole bunch of different podcast areas that you can listen to us on and it's just so great. So great. And um, I'm just so honored to be able to do this with you guys because uh, paranormal ghosts, um, the unknown has always been very interesting to me and through the experiences that I've had that I've shared with you guys, um, it, it's just a whole whole new thing to be able to host this and to be able to do this for you guys. So uh, again, thank you so much for the support, for, uh, for being here and for listening to the stories. It really means a lot um, and uh, I'd like to hear from you. Anyways, we do have some crazy, crazy ass stories um, that we have here. A uh, story of a nurse back in 1995 at a psychiatric hospital. It's a very interesting story um, and uh, don't want to spoil anything. Sometimes I do dive, like do a little synopsis or a summary of that story, but I think I'm going to not do that anymore. I think I'm just going to kind of leave that a mystery. So then that way we can both experience it and have fun with it that way. Um, there's also a interesting story of a childhood friend that taunts them. You don't really hear many stories of that. And a story of a person walking and finding and seeing a pale face in the darkness in the woods. Um, very, very haunting stories for tonight. So also... Remember, this is 18 plus for sure, um, and we like to keep it that way. We we don't uh, sugarcoat any of the stories, so there is a lot of uh, there can be a lot of gory, like vulgar um, stuff in these stories. Uh, don't really, you know, I just read it as I see it, and um, I really hope that you guys enjoy today's stories. Um, we're going to be diving into each story, and after each story, we're going to be doing summary of them as well. Um, so here we go. 
We're going to dive into the first story. This takes place in 1955. Um, and, you know, just a quick, you know, shout out for all the nurses out there. You guys are incredible what you do. Um, it takes a lot for you guys to, to be able to do what you do. And just thank you for all of your hard work and uh, keep up the amazing work. Here we go. This is a story entitled, I was a nurse at a psychiatric hospital back in 1995. Here we go. Let's get into the story, shall we? In the summer of 95, after graduating from nursing school, I was hired at a nearby psychiatric hospital, which I call Dover's for privacy reasons. At the time, I was leaving in the New England area, and let me tell you, the summers there were beautiful. Anyway, due to budget cuts and, deli- and de- deplorable conditions, there were even rumors of several doctors performing lobotomies back in the 30s and 40s. Dover's was slated to close in September of that year. At the time of my hiring, though, most of the 50 to 500 Dover's was slated to close in September of that year. At the time of my hiring, though, most of the 500 patients living at the Dover's was either released or relocated to other hospitals, leaving only about 100 patients behind with 17 staff members, including three doctors and four nurses, including myself. Now Dover's itself was a very grand hospital with its Gothic-style architecture, while it was open, was the talk of the town, both good and bad. Dover's was located on the edge of the town and was surrounded by every dense woods, with only one road leading in and out. Built in 1870, it was originally intended to house 200 patients with the purpose of treating the criminal insane, mentally ill, and people suffering for tuberculosis in order to cure them. Unfortunately, though, over the years, as the population grew, overcrowding was a big issue, and by the 30s, there was upwards of 3,000 patients at the hospital at any given time. Soon, though, due to the overcrowdedness, lack of funding, and staff source shortages, the hospital fell into disrepair. My job at the hospital was to watch over the remaining patients until they were really relocated. In about two months. As I previously mentioned before, there were 17 staff members left with a total of five floors being occupied. There were three doctors, four nurses, two CNAs, 
four security guards, two cooks, and two maintenance people left. We were to live at the hospital with our sleeping quarters being on the first and second floors while the patients were kept on the third and fourth floor. But somehow, though, there was a miscalculation with the rooms, and therefore I volunteered to sleep on the fifth floor where I would be alone, which didn't bother me at all. It was a Friday when I arrived, and since I didn't have to report to work until Monday, I had the weekend to myself. Now, Dover's had seven floors total, with the fifth and sixth and seventh floors remaining unused after several patients died under mysterious circumstances back in the 70s. Of course, rumors were about to start in the hospital being haunted back at the time. I didn't believe in ghosts. After I met the other staff, I had dinner and decided to retire to my room. Now, the fifth floor had not been used over six years, so you can imagine just how much dust had accumulated on everything. After cleaning my room, I took a shower and decided to turn in for the night. It was around one in the morning when something woke me up from a deep sleep. Adjusting my eyes to the darkness, I saw a figure standing at the edge of my bed. It appeared to be a woman wearing one of those old-fashioned nurse's uniforms. I quickly turned the lights on, and the figure was gone. After tossing and turning for about an hour, I finally fell asleep, and the next morning after breakfast, I decided to explore the rest of the fifth floor. Using a flashlight, I wandered the halls, peering into each room as I walked by until I reached the now-abandoned nurse's station. It was as if time stood still. There was a long-forgotten coffee mug with coffee stains still sitting on the counter, and all along the wall were old pictures of who I assumed were the nurses that used to work there. There was a picture that was taken during the Christmas of 1978, and I actually recognized Sue, not a real name, one of the nurses in the picture. I continued to explore the fifth floor until I began to feel sleepy. The night as I lay in the bed, I could hear the faint sound of a woman crying. Thinking it was one of the patients, I went to go check it out. As I exited the room and entered the dark hallway, I noticed that the crying was getting louder. I began walking towards the nurse's station and stopped as the crying seemed to be coming from somewhere in the back of the station. I nervously called out, Hello? But of course, got no answer. That's when I spotted a door I didn't notice earlier. I slowly walked over to the door and opened it and noticed how dark it was inside the room. Using my flashlight, I scanned the room, and for a second there I thought I saw a figure hunched over in the corner. The crying abruptly stopped. Anyway, using my flashlight, I began to explore the office, and that's when I spotted the picture of Dr. Ryan. That's not his real name. Dr. Ryan was one of the three doctors who remained behind at Dover's. I had questions. It was the next day, and I talked to Sue and asked her if any of the nurses died here, and she said, as a matter of fact, a nurse that used to work here went missing about 20 years ago. 
it was rumored that she was having an affair with one of the doctors and that she was also pregnant with his baby. Do you know who the doctor she was having an affair with? No, I don't. I had a feeling who it was, though. The remaining months were without incident. That was until the last week before the hospital was to close. The morning started out normal as my day off, and I decided to go down and get some breakfast. As I was about to enter the elevator to go down the first floor, it began to malfunction. Then from behind me, I heard a blood-curdling wail, almost like someone in pain, sending shivers down my spine. I stood there in utter shock, unable to move. Somehow, though, I built up enough courage to turn around, and that's when I saw the ghost of the nurse gliding towards me. Unable to move, she approached me, and within a blink of an eye, placed her hand which was somehow solid, on my figure. Horrible images flashed before my eyes, and I saw her being murdered, then her killing her body somewhere, hiding her body somewhere on the fifth floor. I saw who killed her. About an hour later, the hospital was bustling with police and forensic experts. I even saw them escorting Dr. Ryan out of the hospital in handcuffs. They found Donna's remains behind the wall inside Dr. Ryan's old office. See, 17 years ago, Dr. Ryan, who was married, was having an affair with a nurse from the hospital, who I'll call Donna. Several months into the affair, Donna found out she was pregnant and threatened to tell Miss Ryan if he didn't divorce her. Scared his wife would leave him, he killed Donna in a fit of rage. After Dr. Ryan's arrest, I I showed Sue the picture of Donna, which I found at the nurse's station, and she confirmed what I already knew, that she was the nurse that was missing back in 1978. It was a few days after Dr. Ryan's arrest that the hospital closed its doors for the last time. As I exited the hospital doors, I felt a great sense of sadness. So I glanced up at the fifth floor one last time, and standing in that window was Donna. I waved at her, and she smiled at me, then vanished. At the moment, I felt sense of calm. I often think about that time back in 95, and wonder if Donna finally found peace in the afterlife. All right, so that was a very interesting thing to even think of that a go- a ghost can turn solid and touch someone's shoulder. Um, that always has been a puzzling thing for me. Is is our ghosts only see through, or can they actually make themselves solid enough to where they can touch you? Um, 
this goes to the fact of ghosts pushing people. Um, I've been to places before in Savannah, Georgia, where I've heard stories about people getting pushed down stairs. Um, you know, people getting pinched. Um, you know, different events like that. Um, and um, I feel like they can leave imprints. Um, like my first experience over at the dam where I was camping, I saw that little kid's shoe imprint um, in the mud. Um, I feel like they could definitely, definitely leave a solid piece of evidence um, from wherever they go if they feel like it, if they are at that amount of energy that they have taken off from something or someone. Because we all know ghosts thrive off of electronics and energy and even the energy off of us as well. Um, so that probably could be of a thing. Maybe they used part of that person's energy so that they could touch their shoulder. Um, that is a really, really good theory. Um, guys, if you have any questions or any input, please email us at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. This is a very unique story. Never really heard about this. Um, and Kim, thank you so very, 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 very much for sending that in. That was such an amazing story. Um, and uh, of course, the names in the story were not legit. They were not actual names. They were actually just fake names um, that were covering up their actual real names for privacy. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it's very interesting. I would love to know if this place is real. Um, and be kind of cool to go back and visit that place, you know? Um, I feel like it would be very interesting um, to do that. Because um, way back in my family tree, I had um, a family member that was in the psychiatric hospital um, over here in Georgia. And uh, it's very interesting to look back on. And uh, it is definitely not in working order anymore. It's abandoned as well. But I would love to go drive up there. They say that there is a dark sense up there. If you go up there, it's just um, a lot of deaths. Um, I believe that they did probably a lot of shock therapy and stuff like that. They didn't, you know, back then that was the cure for a lot of things they thought was shock therapy, um, isolation, um, and all of that. So what comes with a lot of that? That, I believe, is what keeps all of that energy into those hospitals. And that's what I think makes that hospital pretty much haunted as fuck. Um, you know, um, so anyways, we're going to leave on that note. Um, we're going to go into a interesting story. And it is called uh, My Childhood Friend is Haunting Me. Um, and uh, have not gotten into this story yet um so we're gonna see how this story is and um kind of i kind of summarized it a little bit in my head so i kind of read a little bit of it but not too too much so we're gonna be experiencing this all at the same time and um i really can't wait um to to be able to go into this story with you 
Um, and again, thank you so much for being patient. I know that the episodes have been far and apart, um, but with the spooky season coming, I have a feeling that we're definitely going to be making time for these episodes to come out to you every Friday at noon um, on every every uh, podcast device. Um, anyways, let's get into the story. Let's dive into this. I'm really excited about this. Um, every story that that you know gets sent in or that I even read off of Reddit, I love sharing with you guys. Um, so um, here we go. Let's get into the story. This story is called My Childhood Friend is Haunting Me. Here we go. On the first day of high school, I received a concise letter from my best friend letting me know that I was no longer cool enough to be her friend. It read not unlike a letter of termination from a job, and I later learned that it had been generic because it had been sent to three other people. This left me relatively friendless and in retrospect desperate to meet new people. Maybe that's why when a girl two years older than me with a shaved head and, a, and drawn on cat whiskers told me she knew me from somewhere in my second class of the day. We were immediately t- attached at the hip. She was loud, vibrant, and probably the most fearless person I have ever met. She was weird, make no mistake there, but her eccentricities only added to her charisma. She wore a Halloween costume corset half of the time and sang show tunes out loud in the hallways. I had always been a bit of a prude and had, and she had told me stories about drinking and boys, and I was absolutely transfixed. Her name was Veronica. It wasn't but for the purpose of the story, it was. She got me hooked on musical theater, and I began writing songs about her. She was a firecracker, but with her high points, her beautiful unrestrained chaos came equally intense lows and as we grew closer as she came to need me like I needed her 14 year old me was woefully unprepared to help her how do you talk to someone through a pregnancy scare when you've never had a boyfriend How do you help with abusive parents or an alcohol addiction or an eating disorder when you're just barely out of middle school? I didn't stand a chance. We went on a school field trip once and stopped at a restaurant on the the way home, and she ordered the smallest meal she could. And on the drive home, she admitted that if she'd been alone, she wouldn't have eaten at all. I held her crying in my arms. She kissed me gently, still weeping, and I was afraid, so, so afraid of how that kiss had made me feel, terrified of being isolated by my peers. The next day, I told my friends, and to avoid suspicion, my comments bordered on homophobic. 
I'm not proud of this, but I was clinging desperately to the hope that separating her from the world would drag my peers. Suspicions away. In doing so, I betrayed her at one of the worst times in her life. Our friendship recovered, but she was never the same. I watched her spiral in real time, watched as happiness turned to mania and sadness turned to depression. When I was 15 and she was 17, she told me about the coke binges, about self-harm, about sleeping with men just to feel something. At some point, she got a steady boyfriend when she told me she was hitting, he, she was hitting him. That was the last straw. I told myself I wouldn't be her friend anymore. She reached out to me repeatedly, and I stopped responding, and she cut out her other friends. She broke up with her boyfriend, and in early January, she waited until her mom had left for work and hung herself. At the time, I'd never been to a funeral. I don't know how many I've been to now, but a crowd of actually of actual children dressed in black and giving eulogies for another child is something that was burned itself into my memory. Her parents were there. One of them told us that her untimely death was inevitable, that by being her friend, we'd simply bought them more time. I remember thinking that it was absolute bullshit. Each of us could have done something had we reached out more. Had we not betrayed her. I don't even remember the school year after that. It's a time in my life that is just gone. Vanished. Just like she did. People look at you differently. When you're mourning, act differently. Especially as a teenager and mourning. People I'd never spoken to reached out to give their condolences. Looking back, I understand that it was... What they thought I wanted, some kind of comfort, but I remember being frustrated by the tension and fake kinship. I remember wishing more than anything to be left alone, and I often retreated to the comfort of my bedroom just to avoid sympathy from anyone I knew. The isolation I felt was immeasurable. Four months later, when I could speak her name, Without sobbing, I went to my old notes. I went back to the ambitious musical my younger self had started writing. The one based on her. Starring her. That was the first night that it started. I had fallen asleep reading my old notes and was shaken gently awake by Veronica. She looked the same as I remember her. Her dark shaved hair, her wild, pale blue eyes. When I brought myself to look at her neck, it looked exactly as if it had in life. Not a single scratch on her. I was obviously bewildered, but I ultimately realized that accepting that she was here left me a lot happier than questioning why she would be. She smiled at me cold hand still resting on my shoulder. Right, 
came a voice that sounded like wind. She hadn't opened her mouth. Silently, she picked up a paper from the stack and surrounded me, and the voice came again. Right. It was more forceful this time, more concrete, as if the first command was simply been to test her voice. And so I picked up a pencil, and I did. The song I had been working on was incomplete. I added a verse. She stayed seated at the foot of my bed, watching and, I, and still smiling. I tested our verses and choruses, but made notes in the margins about the characters and staging. I could swear that as I wrote, I could see her eyes glowing. When I finished the song, I went back to the dreamless slumber, glancing every so often at the dead girl that sat still at the foot of my bed, still smiling. I woke the next day, feeling like I hadn't slept at all, but this was nothing new. I hadn't slept well in months. I went to school and dealt with the pity staring of my peers. In my third period, when the teacher was drawing on and I couldn't bear to comprehend another word, I heard it again, clear as day. Right. I jolted upright. No one else seemed to notice the disembodied voice. But I realized that if this truly was Veronica, that she really wanted was for me to write about her. I would oblige even if no one else heard her. I began the framework for a new song, a ballad for the character Veronica would have played. I wrote about her pain and found myself crying hot tears in class. The teacher gave me a glance that let me know they understood and dismissed me. After splashing some cold water in my face, I returned to class and paid attention to the lecture this time. That night, she was there again when I fell asleep, but different. I couldn't put my finger on it until I stood up to get my notebook and realized that she was taller than me by a good few inches. In life, she had been almost exactly my height. Maybe she had appeared as she wanted to look. But when why, but then why would she keep the shaved hair she hadn't liked? Or the body she, she so desperately wished to be smaller? I let it go, chalking it up to simple mesmerizing mes, uh, mes, Simple misremembering. I hadn't stood next to her in months, so it made sense that the little details could be wrong, like her eyes, just a shade too pale and her hair a bit shorter than it had never ever been, and that eerie smile. Hers had always been warm, at least in death. Her smile was toothy and wide, unrelenting, a gesture of welcome with goodwill behind it. Can anyone other than me see you? 
I asked aloud. She uttered silently. Is there any reason in particular you chose me? I asked again. Right. She commanded, and I obliged. I went back to the solo I had been working on earlier and revised some lyrics. She seemed happy with this. Eyes again seeming to glow as I fell back to sleep. I continued for months. Any spare moment, the second my attention was not on whatever was at hand, I heard her. I trudged through junior year. I began to think of at least a gift. As someone who rarely has complete focus, and the concept of a constant reminder to work on my project was all too enticing. I grew to appreciate her presence, feel almost comforted by it, and she grew in a different way. Every night she seemed taller, proportionate still, but bigger and bigger, towering over me. She loomed to the edge of my bed, or sitting on a chair in the corner, or once hiding in my closet. She was omnipresent, and it was a welcome distraction for my grief. Life continued on. I trudged through my junior year, and I wrote every night, never getting any amount of genuine sleep. I was sluggish in school, and my grades were suffering from sheer exhaustion. When I was nearly happy with my music and lyrics and characters, I compiled them into a notebook. I gave them to the woman who now took up the whole corner of my room, and she flipped through it with her comically large hands. When she was done, her unnerving smile faltered and finally split into an equally bizarre mask of sadness. Are you really sure you're ready to be done? Said the voice. Veronica's stretched lips unmoving through her horrible frown. I realized with a start two things. The first was that if I stopped writing, I would stop seeing her. The second was that she was right. The the plot was one that was well written for a 14-year-old, but not by any means professional. It felt like a child's story, oversimplified and dramatic without purpose. I looked up into her blue eyes. I didn't remember them looking that cold in life. I took the notebook away promising to do better. The summer before my senior year, I I started on a novel. It had similar characters to the musical, but the plot had been reworked into something that I thought seemed more articulate, more clear-cut. The night I told her that I was beginning it, her wide smile seemed even larger. I could practically feel her drinking and each word I wrote as her eyes glowed at the end of each night. Friends started asking why I was spending less time with them, and I had no way to tell them that my time was being taken up writing for a friend. To what end, I had no clue. Right. The voice that was not Veronica's roared... And one last time, I did. I told 
the story of Veronica and her beautiful impact on my life of the sadness that followed and of the thing that kept me wallowing in sadness and self-pity when I was fully and completely done I handed the thing the handwritten paper and watched it read are you sure you want to end it here seems rather incomplete the voice was nothing like hers how could I have possibly believed this lie? I knew the answer was simply that I had wanted to. Yes, I said simply. Pathetic, it cried, ripping the paper in half, clearly vying for rewrites. I don't care, I said. I'm going back to sleep. It looked at me with that drooping frown practically melting off its face, and as I watched, it shrunk a foot. Poorly worded, it said, his voice a bit more panicked. It shrank again. Bizarre. Just plain weird. It shrank again. Don't quit your day job, it wailed, but my height at this point. My silence was deafening. It shot downward, smaller and smaller, as its insults grew into meaningless threats and eventually just screamed. When it was small enough, I crushed it under my notebook like a bug and I swept the remains into the trash. Veronica, the real Veronica, was dead. But wherever she was, she was at peace. And when I finally was able to sleep... I'd see her every so often in my dreams. She looked happier than she had in life. I truly hoped she'd, she'd meant what she had said about the releasing her earthly burdens. When I finally found the distinction between wallowing and honoring, for once I found myself inspired to create something new. All right, so that was a super long story, um, but, you know, the gist of it is basically you don't know who you're talking to. It basically ended up turning out to be not Veronica that was fucking talking to her. That is totally and utterly fucked up that this person had to go through that and basically waste some of their time doing this. But I feel like possibly this person had fun, um, you know, um, with writing the stories and doing some of the uh, doing some of the things um, with that. Um, my goodness. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> it's all I can say about this story. Um, it's crazy. There's a lot of stories about ghosts pretending to be someone when they're not. Um and it, it, I don't know. You could also say that it was her and then she turned into something different. Um, there's a lot of different synopsises that you could say about this story. Um, very interesting. 
very, very, very interesting write-in. Um, Archie, that's a story from, um, let's see, Archie Nim from No Sleep on Reddit. Um, such an amazing story. Um, and just incredible. Did not write this at all. This is definitely just a read off of Reddit. But I found this story very interesting. Um, that your best friend can even haunt you. Um, like, that just in itself is a very interesting factor. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions, if you have any more input, please write in. We'd love to hear from you. It would be amazing to hear that. Here we go. We're going to go into our last story, and it is called A Face in the Dark. It's a little bit shorter than the other one. I think that the second story was definitely the longest. And also, do you remember, Veronica was not the real name. Um, a lot of these stories do have privacy reasons, so they do tend to name characters different things. So, that is what is... Um, going on with that story anyways I hope that everyone is joining is, is enjoying today's episode um, like I said we're gonna try our best to do to do this every Friday um, and we're gonna try and release it at noon every Friday as well um, either noon or midnight um, haven't really decided that yet but um really excited about that anyways let's go into the last story of tonight's episode or today's episode whenever you're reading this i know probably some people listen to this while at work um to kind of pass the time for you um anyways here we go this story is called a face in the dark It was a breezy September evening. The yellow glow of streetlights reflected off the rain-slicked sidewalk. It was making my way back from the volleyball practice. I usually took the bus, but I ended up missing it that day and didn't feel like waiting another 20 minutes for the next one to show up. So I decided to save the time and just walk home instead. I'm fortunate enough to live relatively close to my school, and it wasn't like I hadn't made the trek before. It's a fairly gated neighborhood, one of those places where your neighbors will judge you if you forget to mow your lawn that week, or neglect to put up the appropriate holiday decorations. Crime is virtually unheard in these parts, so... Who couldn't have been older than 13 at the time? Didn't feel scared walking alone after dark. The only sounds were of crickets and the odd passing cars. I checked the time on my phone. It was past 9 o'clock. I still had homework and needed doing, including a report that was due tomorrow morning. I decided to cut the already short walk even shorter by going straight through the park 
with the absence of daylight, the quaint little plot of greenery might as well have been a dark forest. The branching cobblestone paths snaked around the dense foliage, converging on a pond at the center of the park. This is where all the soccer moms and their kids usually spent their summer afternoons. All that greeted me now was a circle of empty benches. There were twigs and shriveled leaves um, littering the pond, disturbed only by the occasional ripple. My sole sources of light were the pair of lampposts positioned at opposite sides of the clearing. And then, as I glanced back towards the trees, I noticed something. The only reason it caught my attention was because it happened to be looking at that direction. I wonder what would have happened had I chose to ignore it. Would it have just ignored me as well? Or had it already been watching me? Waiting for the night and the right moment to reveal itself. I used my sleeve, my sleeve to wipe my glasses and then back on the back on and squinted. There was something round and pale suspended between two pine trees. It didn't seem to be connected to anything, like a white dot in the middle of the black canvas. I stepped closer in effort to get a better look. My heart sank to my stomach. Staring back at me, was a face. I jumped back with a yelp. It, on the other hand, didn't even flinch. Just kept observing me with its wide, glassy, doll-like eyes. Its lips were curved into the porcelain smile, its complexion so deathly pale that it looked artificial, almost like a mannequin's. I wanted to run to get as much distance between me and that thing as physically possible, but my legs refused to budge. I wasn't paralyzed with fear, no. It was doing something to me, something I couldn't see. It was as if there were invisible hands holding me in place. Their grip tightened the more I pleaded with my body to get me the hell out of there. The disembodied face was now hovering towards me, gliding through the darkness that separated us. Or I was being dragged towards it. Whatever the case, it was getting closer and fast. I could do nothing but shriek in horror as its mouth suddenly began to open. It stretched past all conceivable limits, revealing a toothless void that could easily fit me whole. I squirmed against whatever was restraining me, but it made little difference. I could see it in his eyes, the satisfaction, the hunger, as his black maw drew even closer. It had never been a particularly religious person, but someone or something must have been looking out for me that night. What happened next was nothing short of a miracle. Just as I, ha I had all but surrendered to my fate, I was suddenly yanked back by the waistband of my sweet my sweat pants. A large and hairy shadow jumped in front of me, shielding me from the pale apparition's impending approach. 
judging by the collar around its neck, and the leash it dragged behind it appeared to be someone's dog. Still in shock, I could only sit there and watch as it faced off against this thing in the woods. Its guttural barks reverberated throughout the park. The owner, an older woman in her 50s, came running not long after. She proceeded to try and help me up while apologizing profusely immediately, assuming that it was her dog that had attacked me. I shook my head and attempted to explain, although I doubt that anything that came out of my mouth sounded even remotely coherent. By the time I managed to formulate a full sentence, the face had disappeared. Only empty darkness occupied the space where it once had been. The most terrifying part? I never found out what that thing actually was. A ghost? A monster? A product of schizophrenic episode? For all I know, I could wake up one night and spot it grinning at me from across the room. It's been a whole decade since then, and thankfully nothing like that has ever happened, but I doubt that the paranormal paranoia will ever truly go away. Probably doesn't help that my only witness was a literal dog who likely isn't even alive anymore. Still, I suppose that my story does what somewhat of a family ha- family uh, uh, of a happy ending. My canine savior went on to father eight healthy pups that following year. I remember how hard it was to sell my parents and the idea initially, but they eventually caved, and we ended up adopting one of them for Christmas. A slobbery little princess we named Rosie. She's actually snoring on the couch right next to me as I type this. Though we call her Granny Rosie now. She's turning nine next month. Hopefully we'll get to celebrate it with her. With how uncertain things are in the world right now. You never know. I know it's customary to end stories like like these with some sort of warning. The problem is that I have as much as a, of an idea of what happened that night as you do. I'd love to randomly come across some old newspaper article or forum post that conveniently validates my experience. It would have certainly saved me the years I've spent doubting my mental health. Unfortunately, the real world rarely works like that. My luck doesn't stretch quite that far. It seems I'll just leave you with a small piece of advice instead. If it's late and you have the option, please just take the damn bus. All right, so, um, you know, man's or woman's best friend, what have you, um, saved that person in that instance. What would have happened to that person if that dog wasn't there? 
That is a good question. Um, very interesting story and um, read here. It's by Red Hot Owl from No Sleep on Reddit. Um, a face in the dark. No one will ever know what that is. I would be interesting to know if there were some people that maybe have spotted it, possibly that that you know might have come across it, um, and experienced it themselves as well. Um, who knows? Um, it's interesting that it only happened to that person once, and it never happened again. Normally, um, when things like this happen, you kind of get traumatized, um, and. Um, that is definitely a very traumatizing um, experience for sure so yeah if you feel like you want to go on a walk and go past a park um, during a eerie night please be careful <laughs> yeah that's definitely the story behind this holy fuck holy fuck take the damn bus that's what I would have to say. <laughs> um, you'd have to be very, very careful with what you do. How you get to one location to another at night can be very dangerous. So just make sure to look both ways. And um, be careful with how you deal with things. You never know. There's still a lot of stuff in this world that we can't understand or we can't explain and that is why we even made this podcast there's a lot of things in this world we can't explain and experiences that we can't explain that's why it's called unexpected hauntings because a lot of things happen that are unexpected that we can't understand or we can't explain to anyone else without someone thinking that we're a little bit crazy so with that being said, we're going to wrap up tonight's episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Again, thank you so very, very, very much for being here. I really enjoy each and every episode with you guys. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful and amazing night. From me, Ben, to Unexpected Hauntings, have an amazing night. And thank you so much for being here. And as always, stay spooky.